Steve, God's spoken to me about the theme of faith. I'd like to turn with you, please, to Numbers, Numbers and chapter 13. I'm going to read a few ch- verses here and there, so you'll have to jump around a bit if you're following. Otherwise, you can simply listen to me. Numbers 13 from verse 17, and then we'll uh, be jumping, as I say, to one or two other locations in the passage. Numbers 17, uh, Numbers 13, verse 17. When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, go up there into the Negev, then go up to the hill country, see what the land is like, and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortification? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time for the first ripe grapes. Verse 27. Thus they told him, this is on their return, and they said, we went into the land where you sent us, it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites are living in the hill country. The Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they'd spied out, saying, The land through, through which we pass." Is in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people who we saw in it are men of great size. There are also the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, part of the Nephilim. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. So were we in their sight. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us out into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He'll bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land, for they'll be our prey. 
Their protection has been removed from them. The Lord is with us. Don't fear them. But all the congregation said, stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. And then just a few verses in Joshua 14. Joshua 14, verse 6, which is some 40 years later. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Gadish Barnea to spy out the land. I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke those 45 years from the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness. Now, behold, I'm 85 years old today. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for going out and for coming in. Now then, give me the hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there, great fortified cities, perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Right? Those fighting words. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the joy of comradeship, affection, brotherly love, the delight of being in your presence, Father. Father, thank you so much for removing our guilt and shame. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place on the cross, shouting out, it's finished. I've done it. I've taken away their guilt. Lord Jesus, we love you. We so worship you. And we invite you now, Lord, to breathe upon us by the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, rest upon us. Be our teacher. Open our hearts to hear your voice in our hearts, we pray. Father, hear us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if you have a Bible hero. Some of us uh, celebrate certain Bible characters which we sometimes sort of identify with. It might be an Esther, it might be a Ruth, it might be a Joshua, maybe a Gideon, maybe a David. We kind of love reading these stories. We love reading about them. We feel I'd love to emulate them. Uh, they're my hero. That's my hero. Some of us have Bible heroes. I wonder how many of you have uh, a Bible hero called Shaphat, son of Hori. <laughs> Let's hear it for Shaphat. No? No? How about, how about Igal, son of Joseph? No? Not, none of you? That's not your hero? Who are these guys? Well, actually, they were kind of heroes on the day. There was uh, a historic day that we've actually just been reading about when Israel came to the land of promise. They came right up to the inheritance that God had prepared them for, the whole breakout from Egypt, the journey through the wilderness. 
now they're on the threshold. Now they're about to step in. And Moses calls for 12 spies to go and look. And each tribe selects one guy. Each tribe. So if you'd read uh, chapter 13 of Numbers from the beginning, you'd seen how these spies were chosen. And these guys I've just named are there in the list. Shaphat, son of Hori. He's there. In fact, he would have been the one guy chosen from the whole tribe. And I guess his wife, maybe his children, are standing there full of pride on that day when he's the hero of the tribe. He's an amazing guy. He's going to represent a whole tribe. And together with 11 other guys, he's going to go in and look at the land and bring some of its fruit out. It's a very historic moment. And uh, this is a great hero uh, you've never heard of, nor had I really, uh, but he's here in the Bible. And why have we never heard of him? Well, he brought back with other nine guys a bad report and made God's people's hearts melt with fear. And the Bible doesn't celebrate people like that. The Bible celebrates people who act with faith, who trust him. The Bible's full of that. They love, the Bible loves characters of faith. We've heard uh, during the meeting about that list in Hebrews 11, these guys who are bearing witness to, hey, God is faithful, God is faithful. They're shouting to us, we bear witness, we tell you, he's faithful. Come on, run your race, run the race that's set before you. Uh, we bear witness to his faithfulness. These guys don't. They come back so it's too difficult. Uh, the walls uh, of the cities are so high, there's giants in the land, forget the whole deal, let's go back. Pity we left Egypt. And the Bible doesn't celebrate that. But it's against that backdrop that these other guys stand out. And I want to stand, I want to speak to you about Caleb this morning. Caleb was of a different heart. Caleb saw things different to they did. And actually, Caleb was just walking in reality because they came back and said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And we felt like grasshoppers inwardly. That's how they saw us. That's how we saw ourselves. And yet, that isn't true at all. That isn't true at all. If you read Joshua chapter 2, you find after a 40-year delay from this setback, which cost them 40 years, they had to wander around in the wilderness, having come to the land and said, oh, we can't do it. They wandered around for 40 years and then came back to this spot again and crossed in. And it says, when they get into the land in Joshua 2, they meet people and they say, we've been living in terror ever since you crossed the Red Sea. But we're just grasshoppers. You're not grasshoppers. You're the guys who crossed the Red Sea. We've been scared stiff ever since we heard. We've been scared stiff for 40 years. That was the reality. We're, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They were not at all. They let the wrong perception come into their thinking. They got it wrong. Caleb and Joshua got it right. But really, the reality of their faith is so, so striking because it was faith in spite of a very powerful enemy. We, less, we, we listed the names of the various tribes and people that were there. There were giants in the land. There were walled cities, and Caleb had faith in spite of that, in spite of the obstacles. All right, You're called to have faith. We've been singing lots of songs about having faith. But often, 
Faith comes in a battle territory. We think, is that possible? Can I possibly believe for this? There are obstacles. Well, in spite of the obstacles, he still believed. He still, he still believed in spite of the fact that his companions didn't believe. He was in a minority of two. Ten said, you can't do that. It's hard to have faith when people next to you say, it's impossible. The guys saw the same thing you saw. They had the same opportunity. They come and say, can't, can't be done, can't be done. When other people are saying, can't be done, it makes it harder to say, can be done. And when the mood becomes, let's stone Moses. Let's get rid of him. Let's go back. Let's appoint another leader. It's even harder against that atmosphere. Listen, that atmosphere of unbelief can't be done. The whole thing's wrong. It's impossible. Let's go back to still say, hey, we can do it. That's remarkable faith. Remarkable faith to say, no, we can get there. So I want to see, I'm fascinated by this man, Caleb. I'd like to just unearth, what can we find out about this man that gave him faith when others didn't have it? And I'm bringing this to you to be, I hope, helpful to you because we're all called to faith. This is the victory that overcomes. It's our faith. So where do we get faith from? What are some of the ingredients? What is the ground, the soil, that faith grows in? Because this guy believed we could do it. He said, no, we can do it. And he was right. But the others missed it completely. They just missed it altogether. They wasted 40 years. You can waste 5, 10 years of your life. You can waste a life. Knowing Jesus, but not living with any faith. Now, what are some of the ingredients that I noticed? Just, just reading the stories, letting the stories speak to us. What are some of the ingredients of this man's personality and character that made him like it? Well, the first one surprised me. It surprised me. What I felt I saw was this humility. Now, we don't often think that humility and faith go together, but I hope you'll see more and more of that is true as we read this out and look at some of the references. He was a humble man, right? He had great faith. He was a humble man. How do I know he's a humble man? Well, the others were saying, Moses, you're a pain. We want to stone you. You have misled us. Supposed to be our leader. You're a waste of time. They were totally against Moses. They said things about Moses, Miriam and Aaron. I mean, even his sister saying, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? Who do you think you are, Moses? That was the mood. The sons of Korah said this, all the congregation are holy. Why do you exalt yourself above the people of the Lord? So the atmosphere was, who do you think you are? The atmosphere was complaining against their leader. Do you find it easy to complain against your leader? Maybe your small group leader, maybe the elders of your church. Do you find it easy to complain? Well, one of the characteristics of this guy was he did not have that attitude because what it says here in Joshua, when we see it later, looking at that story, Caleb says, Moses, the man of God. Moses, the servant of the Lord. See, beloved, he, he understood. God raises up leadership. And our attitude, because you say, oh, I'm very humble before God, is the leader, I think, is a pain in the neck. <laughs> but if God, that, Caleb understood, 
He's the Lord's servant. Moses didn't even want to be the Lord's servant. God called him. He apprehended him. He says, send someone else. I can't speak. God says, you're going to speak for me. You're my servant. Now go. And in fact, Moses was so reluctant, it says God became angry with him. Come on. And in the end, he got faith, and he began to be a great man of faith, one of the great heroes of the Bible. But these found it very easy to complain against the oversight. It's a mark of lack of humility. Because at one very humble before God, but no, they were not expressing humility. Here, Caleb expressed humility. He seemed to have a humble heart towards the one who was over him. Can I just say this? Some of you wives, you say, oh, if only I had more faith. Do you drag your husband down sometimes? When you're with people, do you say things that undermine him? When you're at home, do you put him down? I thought the Bible says, hey, you should honor your husband. You should respect your husband. He says, I wish I had more faith. Hey, humility is one of the characteristics of the man of woman of faith. Those things come together. If we don't have a humble heart, faith doesn't grow in an arrogant heart, an opinionated heart. Someone who wants to put others down, it doesn't grow there. That's not the soil it grows in. So we need to understand, wives, we need to have respect. We need to say, no, no, it's, it's inappropriate to speak sometimes the way some of us speak. That's not the way it should be. So this guy, he is very humble about it. Well, you say, well, he's mindless. doesn't have a mind of his own. Obviously, Caleb's just a yes man. Leadership says something, he'll say yes. I mean, he's pathetic. Well, actually, it doesn't seem too pathetic when he's 85 <laughs> and says, I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago. Give me this mount. I mean, he's not exactly a pathetic guy, is he? He just understands God's ways. Faith grows there. See, David showed the same attitude. David, Saul, was a bad leader. His friends said to David, kill him off. Have done with him. There came a moment, a couple of times actually, Saul's asleep, Saul could have been taken. His friends said to David, kill him off. The Lord's given him to you. And David said, oh, I can't touch the Lord's anointed. At one time it says he just cut off a bit of his cloak. Just cut off a bit of his cloak. And he went down the valley, up the other side of the mountain. He shouted across, Hey, look, I could have killed you. And then, it said, then it said he repented in his heart, but he'd even uncovered him a little. See, that's a, that's a gentle heart. Well, David's a wimp. David's a wimp? He took out Goliath. See, we, we must understand that meekness is not weakness. That just is not the truth. The meek shall inherit the earth. We need to understand that there's a lowliness that this man, one of the characteristics of this man is clearly a lowliness. Then as I thought about that, I, thought, I never thought I'd find that. Searching through the passage, I thought, no, that's quite evident. He was a humble man. I thought, how does humility and faith go together? And I'm trying to think, I thought, New Testament, of course, of course. You find Jesus is uh, called by a guy because there's sickness in his home. And then it says this, you don't even have to come to my house. I'm not worthy 
I'm not worthy to have you in my home. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. What did Jesus say? I've never seen such faith. Interesting, eh? He's humbled. Oh, I'm not worthy. I've never seen such faith. I've never seen such faith. This mixture of, oh, I'm not worthy for you to come to my home. Just say the word. Just say the word. And then again, when Jesus says to the woman who comes, and uh, she's a Syrophoenician, and Jesus says something pretty harsh to her. He said, the bread is for the children, not for the dogs. I mean, I think you could leave the church on the strength of that, couldn't you? <laughs> he called me a dog. I'm not coming to that church again. Forget that church. She just said, but even the dogs take the crumbs. I mean, talk about humble. What did Jesus say? Oh, woman, your faith is great. So I thought, hey, I'm onto something here. It's not just in Caleb. It's right there in the New Testament that some of the most beautiful humility, Jesus calls it great faith. So that's the first thing I see about this man. I, I, I so long for more faith, don't you? We've been singing about it so much in our meeting. And yet you and I know we face huge battles in life, huge challenges, finance challenges, personality challenges, situation challenges. We long for more faith. Well, how do we grow faith? Well, this is one of the keys. First key that I noticed, humility. Not, having, not being so strong in our own opinions. Not scared to put other people down. No, that's, that's the ground it grows in, okay? Humility. The second thing I see is wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. This is what it says in Numbers 14 and 26. He has followed me wholeheartedly. And, and listen, that's God's assessment. That's pretty good testimony, yeah? When the living God says, you have followed me wholeheartedly. Now listen, faith grows in ground that's wholehearted. Faith doesn't grow in ground that's not wholehearted. When there's a, a wholeheartedness, and listen, I don't mean busy, busy, busy. I mean a heart that's whole towards God. Jesus told a parable about seed falling on soil, and some of the soil was hard. It just didn't penetrate, just lay on the surface. Just grew weary. It's like, how much longer is this guy going to go for? I can't, when do we get out of here? And it says, the birds of the air just come and it doesn't even penetrate. It doesn't even penetrate. It's a tragedy when you can be in church and somebody's finding their life has changed and you're thinking, when's this going to finish? And the seed isn't even getting through. That's tragic. The seed's got such power. It's the word of God that gives faith. It's the impartation of faith comes through word. And we're too preoccupied, we're too distracted, we, it doesn't even penetrate. It's just hard. It's got hard. Or it says, yeah, it goes through, but then immediately they respond to the word. Immediately. It says it's shallow soil. You know the parable. And this word immediately comes twice. Immediately. Wow, yes, let's do it. Craig says, shout, I'll shout, I believe, I believe, I believe, yeah, I, I believe. But it's shallow. It says, then the sun rises on it. It doesn't say if the sun rises. The sun tends to rise, especially here. The sun rises. 
And then the same word immediately comes. Immediately forget it. Immediately. We're one unanswered prayer away from backsliding. God didn't do anything for me. Walk away. Immediately. Immediately. And then it says others, it's thorns and weeds growing. And one of the parables, in that parable, in one of the Gospels, it says, the delight in other things. It doesn't even say gross sins. It doesn't say some of the sins we could name, just as other things. Other stuff, really, is where you get turned on. Other things excite you more. Other things are you get more out of. And it just chokes the word. And that, that capacity to believe God, that great miracle, that miracle says, I can take ter territory. It just gets choked because, well, there's this and there's this and there's my career and there's the money and there's the worries and there's just things. And this living seed just gets choked. It's not, you're not wholehearted. Other things. Well, Caleb was wholehearted. It was the thing that preoccupied him. God has said it. We can do it. Faith grows where there's wholeheartedness. Sometimes we're jealous. How did he get faith like that? How does she get faith like that? Usually characterized by wholeheartedness. Wholehearted. Just say, Lord, get rid of the other stuff in my life. Help me not to be overwhelmed by stuff that crowds out my life. James says, the double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. Double-minded. Again, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. See, some of us are not even hoping for anything. We're not focusing. We're not after something. So this is the tragedy that takes place here. Wholeheartedness is the next thing I notice about it. Would people call you wholehearted? Would your kids say, Dad's wholehearted? Would your kids say, don't interrupt, Dad. He's praying. He's in there every morning. He's wholehearted. See, faith grows there. We want to be believers. believers comes, believing comes not just in the moment, in the meeting. It comes from letting the Word of God persuade you, work in you. You see, these are supposed to be a believing people. And Caleb was. Right, the next thing I notice is this. He genuinely believed in God's purpose. He genuinely believed God wants us in the land. See, so often we personalize faith. We, we, we just bring it into our own little domestic world. Caleb saw beyond himself. He didn't just see, well, I'm one of 12. I may have a different perspective than I am. I'd like to get in. He, he didn't see it in those terms. He saw it. God's purpose is we get into the land. God's purpose See, God's purpose is that we are winners. God's purpose is that we do have victory. Victory enough for our, fellow, our, our friends, our family, our neighbors to, to notice it. That in the workplace, there's a difference about us. That when other people's heads come down, ours doesn't. There's a brightness. There's a positive perspective. Not because we've learned to say these things, but because from our heart, we know God. We trust God. We believe in God. And it's his purpose to be glorified. Our light's supposed to shine that he gets the glory. 
And Caleb understands that, yeah, I'm the one who's got to put my foot in here, but it's God who wants to go forward. It's God's purpose that gripped him. It's God. God wants us in this land. And he says this, they should be our prey. Well, they said, there's giants. Yeah, it'd be a nice big giant to have. They should be our prey. Their protection is removed from them. See, it's that same thing that you get with David, isn't it? Da David and Goliath. You know, David turns up, and they're all trembling. Look at the giant. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And they say, he might be uncircumcised, but he's huge. Look at him. And David says, no, no, no. His defense, he's removed from him. He says, there's no covenant. God's not with him. God's not with him. And Caleb's got that same spirit. He understands God's purpose. You see, beloved, the people of God are meant to be believers. And God, sa God said to Abraham, God said to Abraham, who's the father of all who believe, he said to him, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. And the whole story starts there. But guy, you're 99 years old. Your wife's barren. But this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. He believed God. That suddenly this dead world with all these people who are dying, they're dying. You read the story. He was born, he gave birth to this one, they died. He was born, he gets one, died. He born, he died. Abraham, through you I will bless all the families of the earth. He believed God. Suddenly life on planet earth. A man who believed God. Suddenly a promise. Suddenly. And this is supposed to characterize the people of God. You're going to bless the whole world. And so when they come to the land uh, uh, and they say, we can't go in. He says, God's furious with them. He's furious with them. He says, how long will these people spurn me? That's the next verse I didn't read in Numbers. How long? It's like, no, no, we're not spurning you. It's these giants. <laughs> Look at the cities. How long will you spurn me? No, it's nothing. No, it's these giants. No. God sees it personally. God takes it personally. He said to Abraham, you will have a son, you will have seed that will fill the earth. Abraham believed God, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he's able to perform. And notice this, notice this. When they didn't go in, it says God was furious with them. And then he said, but as surely as I live, it doesn't say as surely as I live, in 40 years they will cross Jordan. He says, as surely as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. The promise he said to Abraham at the beginning, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Crossing this river was the next step in God's plan for all the world to be filled with his glory. And they turned back. See, Caleb saw it bigger than my little personal problem. He saw God's plan. God's plan is to bless the whole earth. And beloved, when God raises up Gateway, and we go to two congregations, we see people saved, baptized, added. We see people from all sorts of nations gathering together. We see people standing here at the front. We say, he's from that nation, she's from here, and they're from there, and they're all one people. What is this? It's a sign and a wonder. 
And God can do it again and again. He can raise up teams. We go to India. We go to Africa. We go to the ends of the nations. Every time you and I, beloved, we step over our river of impossibility, we are taking God's plan to glorify his name in all the earth. It gets personalized in your problem and mine. Because when we say, I can't do it, we're frustrating God's great plan to fill the earth with his glory. So you and I, beloved, we're called into this place. We're called into situations where others may say, oh, it's impossible, you can't do that. And God's saying, come on, I'm looking for faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, your faith. Faith's a big key. It's the thing God's looking for. So we need to understand how faith grows. It grows in this good soil. It grows in humility, wholeheartedness. It grows in seeing the purpose is bigger than my life. It's about God. It's about his plan to bless the earth. It's about what he's looking for beyond me. The next thing I see, the next ingredient, he got it into his heart. I love this. Joshua 14, 7. I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Caleb looked at this mountain and he got it in his heart. He came back, he said, give me it. It's in his heart. Do you know, faith, faith's like that, dear friends. You get it in your heart before you get it. You get it in your heart because you're persuaded and, and somehow you feel God is with you in this and God promised them and somehow it's in your heart before you've got it. It doesn't come just by shouting. It comes from, as Abraham it says, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he's able also to perform. If God promised it, he's not going to promise something he can't do. God's not going to say, I will make you the father of multitude, Abraham. And then a few years later, he says to you, you're what, 99? Oh, I didn't realize you were 99. <laughs> and she's what? She's oh, she's barren. Oh. Oh, well, seemed a good idea, but <laughs> Abraham grew strong in faith, fully persuaded that what God promised, what God promised, that's one of my favorite New Testament verses. It's helped me for decades. Fully persuaded what God has promised is also able to perform. It's nothing to do with I'm 99. It's nothing to do with she's barren. He said it. He said it. He said it. He's committed to it. That's where faith grows, beloved. It doesn't say, can I find faith? Oh, she's got faith. Wish I had faith. I would find faith. It's looking at this one who cannot deny himself. I was, when I first left a secular work, for two years I was living by faith. I was trusting God for my provision. And... Uh, you know, it was exciting, scary sometimes. No one had promised me anything, honestly. I never sent out a prayer letter. I never sent out hints. I honestly just, Lord, I look to you. You promised, you told me to go here. I moved on to a housing area. I went from house to house to house. I trusted God to provide. And I remember one time when it got very, the money got lower and lower and I'm getting quite scared. I was thinking, oh God, this is scary. This is scary. I got this. Hey, Lord, the money's all, there's hardly anything left. I've got to pay my rent. I've got to hire the hall for the meetings. I need some petrol for my motorbike. You know, I've got, Lord, help, help. I'm running out. No one's promised me. Lord, help. And I come 
to the Bible and I say, Lord, huh? is there a word for me? I'm reading systematically through the Bible. And I think, God, what is my reading this morning? Is Titus. Oh, Titus. Why can't it be Hebrews 11? It's Titus. I think, wow, this is going to kill me. It's all about appointing elders, appointing deacons. I won't get anything there. I mean, I was, honestly, I thought, oh, this is terrible. And I opened it, and it says in first, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the promise from the God who cannot lie. It's just in the opening verse or two. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 or 2. The God who cannot lie. My faith just went, whoa! I literally, I'm, I'm staying in this home of unbelievers. I'm paying rent every week. I went dancing around my room. Because the God who can't lie. That's all I needed. God can't lie. Fully persuaded that what God has promised, there's nothing to do with, I wonder who'll send it, I wonder how it'll come for me. It's not, it's the, he can't lie. He can't lie. We're okay, we're on safe ground. My faith soared again. That's where we find faith. It's focusing, and you get it in your heart. It's in your heart. The NIV translates the verse, according to my convictions. It's like Hebrews where it talks about faith is the assurance of things not seen. It's the conviction. You've got the conviction. It's the evidence. You, you've got the evidence before you got there. You see, we often say, no, seeing is believing. No, there's another thing. You believe and then you see. We believe we will see the goodness of the Lord. We believe it, then we see it. And beloved, that's how great works happen. That's how great missionary pioneers, the great heroes of the faith, the Martin Luthers, the Hudson Taylors, the guys who've done great things for God, that's what they learned. You can know you've got it before you've got it. That's faith. You know you've got it before you've got it. And Caleb said, I told him what was in my heart. See, faith isn't whimmed, you know, oh, I'll get faith shouting off, I might get it. No, let God speak to you. Get it in your heart. Abraham grew strong in faith, giving praise and glory to God, fully assured that what God had promised. Caleb was, I've got it. <laughs> Amen, the things you've got, it's important. It's not mind over matter, it's letting God persuade you, let God speak to you. Consider God's character. He can't lie. Be wholeheartedly pursuing him. Then he says something to you. Hey, if you promise me bread, you're not going to give me a stone. You promise me fish, you're not going to give me a serpent. This is about my relationship with someone who can't lie. It's about my father who's promised me things. Faith grows in that awareness. It's in his heart. And then the next one is this. He knew about God's delight in his people. Numbers 14, 8. If the Lord delights in us, what a beautiful phrase. If the Lord delights in us, he will give us the land. Do you know, knowing about God delighting in the church is a massive promoter of faith. See, faith works through love. It works through an awareness of, hey, I'm loved. You see a little child who knows they're loved by their parents. It's like they think, I can get anything out of her. That's what this little child thinks. <laughs> I'll ask mommy, I can get anything out of her. Well, how? Well, she has, she's crazy about me. They're smart kids. They are. 
She delights in me. She delights in me. And Caleb, this fighter, this 85-year-old warrior, he said, the Lord delights in us. That's, that's, do you know, it says in the, the scripture, I will call you by a new name. My delight is in you. Do you believe it? It's one of the wonderful truths of the grace of God. He delights in us, not because of our work rate, but because we're hidden in the one in whom is all the delight. We are his delight. David knew the same thing. David said this, he brought me into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I tell you, it's a wonderful revelation to sit alone with God and just sit there and think, Lord, you delight in me. Don't think, oh, that's not fair. That's, that's presumptuous. No, no, no. It's offensive to God not to believe him. If he tells you he delights in you, don't, don't spurn that expression of love. He delights in the church. He paid such a price for us. He laid down his life for us. He bled and died. We've sung about it. That's how much he delights in us. So faith grows in this certainty. He's, this I know, God is for me. It's sad that lots of believers might sing it in a meeting, but you get them alone. Do you say that to yourself? This I know, God is for me. Or do you say in your heart, this I know, God's hard to please. See, that's what the one talent man said. The one talent man said, you're a hard man. You try to reap where you've not sown. Sadly, a lot of Christians feel that. It's hard to please God. He asks me more than I can give. I always feel I'm not doing enough. I feel, and so we've not grasped grace. We've not let grace grasp us. He delights in us. That's the name he's given us. This, I'll call them by a new name. My delight is in you. And Caleb understood that if the Lord delights in us, what are a few giants? What's a walled city? The Lord of glory delights in us. Sometimes some of us have been just by our background, maybe our family life, maybe you were put down. Maybe some of us have been terribly treated by even parents who said you're a waste of time. You've been fed on things that have put you down. You know, I've been in pastoral ministry long enough to hear some so sad stories. Kids have said, my parents said to me, we wouldn't have married if it hadn't been for you. You were on the way, so we'd better get married. And you know, you think, ah, you're a waste of time. Why don't you do better at school? You should have done better in your exams. And it's just constant down. And, and, and you get saved. And your eternal father says, I delight in you. I didn't just save you. I didn't say, oh, better save. It's duty. God to have to do that. I delight in you. I'm for you. It's just, it just releases such faith. God delights in his church. She's his bride. He doesn't think, I'm stuck with this. This is his bride. He chose us. He delights in you. Amen? Amen. See, it makes faith grow. What if he delights in me? Hey, I'm going I'm to win it here. Caleb thought that. Caleb said, if he delights in me, I can have this mountain. It, it worked in his life. If the Lord delights in us, the Lord, it says in Psalm 149, verse 4, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. The Lord takes pleasure. So dependent all, all this, then, these are the ingredients. This is the soil, I believe, in which 
extraordinary faith grew in this man. He was like a real Abraham. He really thought, hey, it's possible. I can do this. It's like David, like Joshua. When it says about Joshua, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Wow. I love that verse. By faith. It's not like on the, the sixth time they're marching around it, saying, can anybody see any cracks yet? I can't see any cracks yet. <laughs> on the seventh day, great shout, by faith. Whoa, God said it, it's going to happen. Amen? Beloved, we're called to be believers. The church is a company of believers. That was the tragedy of Israel. They lost their faith. Got thrown out of the land. God's raising up a believing community. So let's come to the end of it then. Dependent on God, he's now ready for action. He says, now, Joshua 14, 12, now give me this mountain. The Lord helping me, I shall drive them out just as he said. Who's going to do it? I'm going to do it. Uh, the Lord helping me. The Lord helping me, I will drive them out. You get this combination. You get this kind of, I'm going to do it, but God's going to do it through me. We've got to get this bit right. We've got to get this bit right. Sometimes, we get into sometimes sort of passivity. You hear phrases like this, sadly, in good evangelical, even charismatic circles. They say things like this. You've got a problem? Give it over to Jesus. I, I handed it over to the Lord. Where does it say that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say hand it over to Jesus. You'll be coming forward again next month. Hand it over again. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say hand it over to Jesus. It really doesn't. It says this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then it says this. For God is working in you to will and do his good pleasure. Caleb said, I'm going to get it, God helping me. I'm going to win this battle, God helping me. I'm going to take this hill country, God helping me. Through our God, we shall do valiantly. Beloved, we're called to be warriors, fighters, be strong, take the armor of God, take the sword, take the shield, put on the breastplate, put on the helmet, and fight. Because God's with you. It isn't, hand it over to Jesus. Stop striving, it's all grace. That's not what it says. Grace says, I'm loved. I'm delighted in, I'm accepted, God's for me, I'm righteous in his sight, there's no guilt at all, all my guilt has gone, Pfft, hallelujah. He looks on a worshipping people, he says, oh, my delightful church, our, our guilt has gone, it's gone, there's no guilt, we're free. Then he says, right, now be strong and fight, go and fight, go and fight. So Caleb understood I love the story. It says in Joshua, one place in Joshua, he's, he's looking at the fight ahead of him, and it says this, the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid for this battle. I've given them to you. I've given them to you. And it doesn't say, so Joshua said, well, let's have a party then. Hallelujah. It says this, so Joshua marched all night and came upon them suddenly. But I thought you said you'd give... Yeah, he had given it to us. That's why we went and took it. That's why we went and took it. You say, I've got this problem. I, I feel I'm a bit like a grasshopper. I, no, 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 listen. 
You've got to refuse it. See, Abraham, but I'm 99. Sarah, but I'm barren. No, you've got to believe God. You refuse it. You refuse to let what seems to be overwhelming you not having it. And I, when I was uh, first converted, I was amazed. My foul, disgusting language fell away overnight. I was amazed. I stopped using disgusting language. I mean, I used to, all the time, you would have not known this person, all the time, foul language came up here. It just went. I thought, wow, it's gone. I wanted to get rid of smoking. Now, smoking's not the biggest sin in the world, but I wanted to stop. And I couldn't stop. So I thought, I'm not having this. I don't want to do this. And so I found this. I found I couldn't have a coffee mid-morning. I couldn't imagine coffee mid-morning without a cigarette. I mean, you don't have coffee without a cigarette. I mean, I couldn't do that for years. <laughs> so, I, so what did I do? I stopped having coffee. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I thought, I'm going to win this. I'm not having this. So I thought, well, I'm going to stop coffee then. So I pushed my first cigarette to later and later in the day until I was down to five a day. And then when I got down to five a day, I thought, hey, come on, how many hours are you, sleep, are you living without a cigarette? If you can live all those hours without a cigarette, you don't need this. Chop. See, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you live, you fight. Caleb said, I've got this mountain, I'm going to go and take it. You say, I've got this problem with pornography. I can't help myself. You can help yourself. You can make all sorts of decisions. You can make practical decisions. You can ask someone to watch over. You can, make, you can turn switches. You can, you can take action. You don't say, oh God, give me freedom. Take action. With God with me, I can win this battle. I'm going to be a changed person. But I love gossip. You don't have to. I know I often tell lies. You don't have to. I know I get despair because I'm no use. You don't have to. You don't have to. God's changed us. But you have to take it. You have to take the sword and fight and take it. That's what he said. I will do it. God being with me, I will do it. It's my inheritance. It says in Psalm 60, verse 12, through our God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our enemies. Amen? But beloved, we do it valiantly. We fight. We don't say, oh, I can't. I handed it to Jesus, but it still didn't go. We say, no, he's for me. Joshua said, he's told me I've won this battle, so let's get going now. The army didn't say, oh, well, if he's won it, we shouldn't bother too much with that one then. No, he said, come on, let's go all night. We'll come on them suddenly. You fight the sin that troubles you. You fight it. You take action with faith. God will give me this victory. I don't have to stay like this. I can be a different person. That's what God's called us to. Caleb, we remember. Igal, we forgot. Shaphat, we've never heard of. They were exciting for a day. They saw a problem, end of story. 
Beloved, I just want to finish with one other name. Jesus. Jesus. What did he say? He said, I am meek and lowly of heart. I am meek and lowly. He said this, my meat is to do his will. I mean, he ticks all the boxes. He's got the purpose of God. He's wholehearted for his father. He knows it's God's plan. He's very clear about the whole issue. It's in his heart for the joy set before him. He's living from his heart. He's convinced. He's not half-hearted. He's, he's clear. He's, he's the great Caleb. He's the greater Solomon. He's the greater everyone. He's our model. And he knew this. This is my beloved son in whom is all my delight. My delight is in him. All my pleasure. He knew it. He knew it. He was filled with the Spirit beyond measure. I can imagine him staggering into the wilderness for 40 years, 40 days. The Spirit fell on him. What was that like? This is my son. I love him. I'm delighted with him. Woo! Jesus must have been overwhelmed. He knew the Father delighted in him. And he said, give me this mountain. He fought his way up Calvary Hill and said, give me it. Give me it. I'm going to have it. I'm going to have this mountain. You read in John's Gospel, he was lifted up, and it's always kind of a Lifted up, what does that mean? On the cross or the throne? Several verses, you don't know which one he's talking about. Well, it's because it's through the cross he comes to the throne. Give me this mountain. Hey, he's seated on the highest mountain. He's enthroned in the heavens. I want it. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to have it. I will have these people to be my bride. I will have them. I'll fight for them, knowing my God will see me through. Beloved, we're called to be followers of Jesus. Let's give ourselves. It's so wonderful to be in a context where this can mean something. In church life, where we really mean it. We've got, we've got a people around us who mean it. We come from all the nations. We're here for Jesus. We mean it. We mean it. We want to hit Dubai. It's the most international city in the world. We want to hit it. We want to reach these people from the Philippines, from Africa, from India, from Pakistan, from all over. We're going to hit this place. We're going to take it for Jesus. We're going to move. It's got to have meaning for you and for me because we're going to win our private battles. Seeing it at the backdrop of his big battle. You say, well, I'm such a grasshopper. Win the battle this morning. You say, well, I, I know I've got these problems. Let's step out of it this morning. Let's stand let's just draw near to God Heavenly Father thank you you're with us thank you you're for us thank you want to bless us we love you Lord Jesus let me just ask you as we are in a prayerful attitude you got this mountain of fear so anxiety grips me often. I'm very fearful. I've got a mountain that says, I, I don't know if I can make it as a Christian. I don't know if I can keep it up. It all seems a bit too demanding for me. I don't know if I can win. I don't know if I could keep being a Christian. 
fight battle with your self-worth. You think, I'm, I'm just a waste. You've got battles with pornography. I, I can't win this battle. It's, it just, just gets me every time. I just get ensnared. It just keeps beating me. It's just too hard to take. And the Lord's calling you, come on. Come on. You don't have to bring a bad report. You don't have to say it's impossible. You can take it. You can take it. This is the victory that overcomes. You can win this battle. I want to invite you. If you know, if you know God's spoken to you this morning, if you know... Lord, I want, I want more faith. I want to be this kind of a man. I want to be this kind of a woman. I want to be like that woman who, who, who didn't take offense. She just said, I'll, I'll eat the crumbs. Just such a humble heart. She heard, she heard Jesus say to her, you have such great faith. Such great faith. He said, I'd love to hear Jesus say that to me. I want to invite you, if you, if you know God's spoken to you, let's, let's pray, even now, let's pray that your mountain, hey, you can take it. Do you believe it this morning? We can take it. We can believe God for it. I'm going to take this ground. God with me, I can win this battle. God, God promised he's fully able to do what he said. He can make me more than conqueror. He can do it. He will do it. I'd love to pray over you. Why don't you step out of your road? Just come now quickly. Just come. Let's come and pray for you right now. Just slip out of your road. Excuse me, excuse me. Let's just pray right now that God will take you and lead you through into a new place. Let's pray for one another. Would you come right now? Just come. Don't wait. Please come. I want to pray over you that we will say yes, Lord, to him. Yes, Lord. If you pray for people, if you're in a kind of witness team or whatever we call it here, ministry team, maybe your small group leader, however prays please come. Please, if you would come, if you, have, you would like to pray over anyone. Guys, come to guys, girls to girls. Let's come, please. We're going to pray. We're just going to pray. 